club golf, it never really was a, a thing in the past. There was always club soccer, club baseball, club lacrosse, and golf was always an afterthought, but we had really taken and harnessed club golf and made it what it is today. So NCCGA is the collegiate tour within Next Gen Golf, but Next Gen Golf really supports those golfers you know, anywhere from age 18 to 39 in those tough years when you know, the rest of the industry may not be as apt to help you out and, and keep you involved in the game. And we really focus on helping not just the best, but the rest in the golf industry. Welcome everyone to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with golf's top influencers, entrepreneurs, innovators, and disruptors about their vision to reimagine, transform, and grow the game. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Next Gen Golf founder and CEO, Chris Hart. Hi, Chris. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Thanks, Colin. Happy to be here. So, Chris, your Next Gen Golf tagline is team-based golf tournaments exclusively for college students and young adults. So to get us started here, please tell us a bit about yourself, the brief history of Next Gen Golf, and the two tournament properties that you've created. Sure. Our roots started in college golf, and you know, we, we really focus on helping not just the best, but the rest in the golf industry. And we really focus on golfers, that a market that was always traditionally ignored. When you turned 18 and you were a college student going off to school, if you didn't play varsity golf, then there really wasn't anything for you. So we started really at that pivotal point of when people turn 18, start helping those golfers and giving them a place to play in a, a community that they could be involved in. And it's grown and evolved beyond that, but Next Gen Golf really supports those golfers you know, anywhere from age 18 to 39 in those, those really tough years when you know, the rest of the industry may not be as apt to, to help you out and keep you involved in the game. And personally, my route started in, in this business because I, I was that kid. I played varsity golf at Bryant University in my first three years of college and senior year didn't play on the team and it really stunk being a, a non-varsity golfer. And you're, right. you're the rest, right? And it was great being a varsity player and got to play free golf and equipment and had competition scheduled and it was fantastic. And then when it's taken away from you, you realize how, <laughs> how tough it is being uh, just a, a regular guy or girl in college. And as I've grown up, I'm, I'm 31 now. Our company's based here in Boston. And you realize how tough it is. And there's a lot of challenges, not just at 18, but at 22, 26. And as you continue to grow up as a, a young adult in the game and the opportunities in the past lack thereof, opportunities for golfers of people in their 20s and 30s. Interesting. So the opportunity then, as you experienced firsthand, and your friends did too, I assume, that from 18 to really your age now at 31, during those years when you don't have as much money and probably as much time, when you are in school and just starting out in your, your professional career, seems like that was the, the gap or the pain point that, that you realized. So with that, when did you really hit the ground running with Next Gen Golf? And what was the first property? I know you have two. I want you to talk a little bit about that, both on the college and the young adult side there with the events you, you have. So what was the role of the history of Next Gen Golf? So it's an interesting day that we're talking because it's our six-year anniversary today <laughs> when the business wow. actually Congratulations. Uh, formally started in, uh, in Massachusetts uh, as an LLC. So the, you know, we originally started what was called College Golf Pass, working with affordability on the college side. Eventually, we had governance sanctioned club golf and what we really focus on on the college aspect of the game now. The NCCGA, it stands for the National Collegiate Club Golf Association. So NCCGA is the collegiate tour within Next Gen Golf. 
And what we do is we govern, sanction, and run events for non-varsity college students. Club golf, it never really was a, a thing in the past. There was always club soccer, club baseball, club lacrosse, and golf was always an afterthought. But we had really taken and harnessed club golf and made it what it is today. You know, we'll run about 130 golf tournaments this year for college students all across the country. The events are broken up into regions all across the U.S. So you compete in a weekend tournament a two-day event. You have two regional events each semester and then a national championship at the end of the semester. So NCCGA, a couple things that are different, it's very similar to varsity college golf, but different in a way that we take to the top five of eight scores. A club golf team on a college campus may have 200 students on a club golf team, open for men and women. It's all co-ed, and it provides an inclusive environment where anybody can play, can practice, and be part of the club. And specifically with our organization, the events that we run, eight players will play on a team, although a college can have multiple teams compete in an event. So we've built and sanctioned club golf into a, a really powerful platform around the country where we actually support more students than varsity players in the country and really have grown college golf, not the traditional college golf, but in the way that how we look at college golf, open and inclusive to anybody to a pretty powerful event platform for young adults that are currently enrolled in college. And what really evolved out of the NCCGA was our, our second tour, which is called our City Tour, because all of our college club players kept coming to us and saying, thank you so much for what you're doing for me in college. I'm 22 now and I'm living in Boston, or I'm, I'm 25 and I'm in New York. I love those club golf days. What do I do now? So what right. we did is we'd taken what we did from college and built a city tour and run team-based events during the summer. We had our first event yesterday and we had 20 events going on around the country. So there'll be monthly events, one in June, one July, one August. So essentially three regional events, team-based events, all co-ed, all-inclusive where you're representing. It's, it could be your buddies. It could be some former colleagues from college or people from work. And you're part of a golf team. You're on a team. You're playing. Uh, you're meeting people locally. And then we have a national championship at the end of the summer. I, I love it. It's interesting. Of the, the podcast we've done so far, there seems to be reoccurring themes of the power of team-based play and the potential of that as compared to individual play in golf. And also the term you used earlier there, Chris, inclusivity. Various groups and various businesses and startups and innovators within golf realizing that is the, the key or the success formula of integrating and connecting with people on that basis of, especially with team play and making them feel a part of something that's bigger than just the individual. Speaking last week, I know you're friends with Peter Kratzios with Golf Match, and he mentioned you last week as far as starting up back in the day, him helping out in New York while you were focusing on Boston, and him also embracing mm -hmm. that very much also with what they do, this notion of inclusivity and being part of something bigger than just a, a round of golf. So that's fantastic that you're moving that forward. So a lot to cover here, and I just want to drill down into a couple of things and, and get back to the, the collegiate club golf that you have right now. So our listeners understand how many schools are participating right now. And I'm kind of curious to hear the traction, let's say over the last couple of years as what you had in 2016, 17, and compared to the season before and what type of growth you're, and traction you're experiencing there on the collegiate side. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's been amazing. Really, any college can have a club golf team. I'd love there to, to say a day that every college has a club team because you can have a club team and a varsity team on, on any campus. So we have some really small campuses, some really large ones, and work with over 400 colleges that have club golf teams. That over the last, call it, you know, three years has grown, you know, 10x, you know, from 40 colleges up to 400. And wow. you continue to see just growth. And there's there's just a need. I, I always cite this stat and <laughs> those that know me well, but it's, yeah, there's over 226,000 kids that play high school golf competitively and only about 11,000 play varsity golf in college. So we support that 215,000 competitive golfers and make it so they don't lose that drive and passion and place for them to play during those hard years of college. Right. So if my numbers in my head are right here, the 11,000 from the over 200,000. So you're saying 5% are the best and the other 95%, as you said, you cater to are, are the rest. So it sounds like you have a massive target market there that you are managing to build on a year by year basis and an event by event basis. It sounds like you're just scratching the surface there, what the potential is with your, your market reach within the, uh, the collegiate realm. You're right. There's a there's a really big market there. And the interesting thing is some people peak at different times in their lives. And it's amazing that you know, a number of our national champions have used club golf to walk onto their varsity program. I mean, that was their goal. And at big name schools like Michigan State and the University of Florida, where they played club golf with us, used their scores and their talent and success to then walk on to varsity golf teams, which don't allow walk-ons. So it's a pretty cool story to be able to show that, that we're helping people get to that next level. And, you know, they were one of the rest. Nobody cared about them. They are they are really good and one of the best. And you just see what that can do for somebody and, and help them moving their career, whether it's golf-wise or, you know, more importantly, their you know, life goals and career forward. And the uh, the NCCGA does run during the collegiate school year, I understand. You run in the fall and then you run in the springtime that leads up to your national championship. And then the city tour kind of takes over in the summer. So you do have this nice cycle of three different pieces, if you will, three different events that uh, that continually run all year round here. And, and with that, you did mention that you've got the city tour just ramping up now. I believe this weekend you are running around with a city tour event. Where is, where is that event right now that you're hosting this weekend? Uh, well, there's 20 of them going on. No, there's a few. I mean, if you think coast to coast, yeah, we had one in Boston yesterday. There's one in Seattle close by to you today. There's yes. one down in South Florida, and there's all one all the way down in, you know, call it San Francisco. So we're hitting every every corner and every coast. But you know, there's 20 major cities that host events and three different weekends during the summer that they host. So to scale up at that level there, at 20 at a time, you guys aren't able to do this on your own. Obviously, partnerships is key for you to be able to scale this up and to not be overwhelmed and consistently produce a quality experience for all the players and everybody involved. So on that note, Chris, can you tell us a bit about the partnerships that help get you off the ground, both at the collegiate level and I don't know if that's with the NCAA. I know Strixon is one of your major partners here. So perhaps you can tell us a bit about the partnerships that you forged over the years to get yourself to where you are now. Yeah, it's uh, partnerships, uh, you know, as I heard in Peter's interview last week and, and other interviews, partnerships are, are really important something that I think is crucial in, in golf that we all need to work together to solve these missions and we all have our part to really grow the game. But the Cleveland golf and Srixon relationship has really been special to us. Uh, we've been really fortunate. They uh, you know, they came out and you know, they found us. I mean, they sought us out like a 
<laughs> kind of scouted us like a tour player right. you know, back in late 2012. And you know, they've been really, really integral to our success. And they have unbelievable product. They just don't have the marketing dollars. And to be able to push it out there, like other brands are not competing for dollars. Uh, you know, they have an amazing product, you know, amazing golf ball. They're, they're an underdog in the golf industry. So, yeah, we really like that. And what's been amazing is to see even Srixon, the ball count. Yeah, you know, we do ball counts at our national championships. And when they first became a sponsor, zero, zero percent. No one in the entire championship field played a Srixon ball. And it was amazing. Right. We did the study this past spring, and it was up to 53 percent. So wow. it's shown that over four years how much a student now cares and has seen Srixon again and again, and they're there, you know, their staff is there. They're showing that we care about the rest. Not that they don't care about the best, but they're not focused on those top 1% and the best of the best of the best players. You know, they they right. care about you, know, you and I as, as golfers and what we mean. But beyond that, Oxford Golf is you know, our apparel provider. They've been so supportive. You know, 18 Birdies is a new sponsor this year in, in the technology space. And I think you might be chatting with them in the future. Recently, uh, Myrtle Beach Golf Holiday had become a sponsor of Next Gen Golf. And again and again, we, we have more sponsors that are, are so supportive of us, our mission, and you know, most importantly, our students and our young adults that compete with us and care about them, even though they're not the top 1%. Well, I've always liked the uh, the branding and the messaging with Shrixon being a bit, the, bit of the black sheep and they've played that up and having a certain edge to them and being irreverent. So I'm sure that resonates very nicely with the younger demographic that you're catering to here. It's nice alignment there with the brand. Yeah, they, they care about the rest, <laughs> and they, especially in, in college golf, right? They're not going to outspend and just you know, try to outcompete. They said, yeah, we're going to focus our time and money on people that are going to care and you know, we can win over. So, yeah, it's, they, they've been fantastic. And perhaps I should I should speak to someone at Strixon uh, for an episode because as the overarching theme here with the Mod Golf podcast, of course, we're looking at like yourself, the influencers and the uh, the change agents that are creating the future of golf, and I see them also as as someone that is pushing the envelope and has for many years. So I think they'd be a, an interesting conversation to have. So on that note, a, sure. a few other things, a bit of a departure or a progression here. You talked earlier about the women that are involved, both at the collegiate level here with the NCCGA and also the city tour. Very interesting to hear the kind of the data you have and the feedback. So how, what percentage do you have of female participation in, and what is your mandate to grow that? Because we've had this conversation on the podcast before many times about the unlocked potential there globally with women that to grow the game and to tap into that to help move golf forward in the future. And curious to hear your thoughts on uh, on how next gen golf is encouraging more women to get involved in the sport yeah it's um uh, i'm not going to sugarcoat and say that we we have a great percentage i mean the majority of players in our events are are males i don't know the exact number but it's less than 10 percent females even though every event is co-ed i agree that there is a significant potential and we really really want to encourage more and more women to play it's difficult to do so I, you know, at the college level, we, we struggle. And one of the reasons we struggle more and more, as you probably know, women's college golf scholarships are actually the most unused scholarship of any college athletics in the world. So women are, have the potential to earn college scholarships. You know, women's golf teams are struggling to find players at times. So it's a struggle at the collegiate level, and it's something that we, you know, obviously we're not running varsity golf, but we get emails from coaches saying, hey, can we have some of your players to come play on a scholarship? There's opportunity there, 
And I think it's it's tough playing college varsity golf. I mean, it's it's a job. So we struggle a bit, especially on the college side, because if I'm a pretty talented female, I'm going to go play you know, varsity and have a scholarship. So we have less players on the club side, unfortunately. But I, I really like what's happening. The USGA and the LPGA girls golf, what they're doing, I think that's really important. There's a, actually a gentleman out here in, in the Boston area started something called Giggle Golf. Really cool, just initiative. And he's he was getting hundreds of young girls out in the course. Just you know, does it here at the first tee in, in Boston. And it's pretty fantastic that those things are happening. And not that it's too late, but I think those, you know, those are going to really help drive the future of the game at the, at the youth level even further. I agree with that. It's interesting. I had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Alyssa Gaudet, who is the founder of Women's Golf Day that just happened a couple of Tuesdays ago. And she's noticed that the over the years, the major pain points for women entering the game are intimidation. And it's not social enough for them and her trying to knock down those barriers. And the key to that was these grassroots ambassadors that she has in all these locations to help encourage women to play and to grow it from the bottom up. Within what you're doing, both on City Tour and NCCGA, do you have an ambassador system at the schools that are then trying to connect with other people to grow it on campus? So how, how do you spread the word, Chris? Well, one thing that we have that's interesting, we have a great young young lady named Leah Schwartz. You know, we named her this year. We actually made a position within the NCCGA and student leadership as director of women's initiatives. So her goal is to grow golf on college campuses for women across the country. So she's working grassroots you know, with students on school and helping young girls, whether join their clubs and play on the co-ed team or start their own you know, women's team on a college campus as well. So we're really trying to harness that at the, at the college level and, and really grassroots of, of helping grow that on college campuses. And I think the point you made really hit home of girls and women need to grassroots grow it themselves. It's, it's really hard for guys to kind of tell, I think, tell a female, hey, you need to come out and golf. Whereas if they're with their peers, other women are going to make them feel more comfortable and welcome on the course. And I'm trying to do my part personally, too. I got my wife to go out and play her first nine holes two weeks ago. But what the, the only reason she did it is because yeah. my friend <laughs> brought his girlfriend and she convinced her to come. Him or I never would have been able to convince my wife to come. But his girlfriend convinced her that she should come and play. So it, in it's that, case in point. <laughs> of absolutely. That that story is indicative of what happened globally with Women's Golf Day, that women just encouraging each other to come out and play and just, just enjoy that. And half of that was social. First half was either you play some golf or else you take a free lesson and you just kind of hang out, get comfortable with that. And the second half of that, the other two hours was completely social afterwards. So it seems like the story you just said with your wife and her friend was unleashed on a global basis and kind of proved that that is healthy and thriving and growing there with over, I believe, over 700 locations at, in over 40 countries in only two years of what happened with Women's Golf Day. So yeah, that's it sounds like you're just scratching the surface there with figuring out the best way to get women involved with next-gen golf. So looking forward to see how that unfolds over the next year or so. I see that next-gen golf has the mission statement of live life, play golf, which I really like, by the way. Thank you. Could you please tell us how this statement reflects your company culture, core beliefs, and the sense of purpose that you and your team buy into on a daily basis? What's well, I mean, live life, play golf at the root of it. What it really means is that we're all human beings. Uh, if you're a young adult, you're going to be working. You have a family. You may have a significant other. You may have kids, a dog, a house, 
whatever. There's a lot of things going on in life and golf is what connects all of us. It may not and it is not the number one priority for probably any of us, but it's what connects us all together as a community. And, you know, us, us as a team, it's it's interesting because there was some non-golfers even on our team in the company. And what we do in, in our culture is that we're, you know, obviously we work in golf, so work comes first. But, you know, as a, as a company and the folks who work with us will, will tell you, I, I always say that our family and our health and friends come first beyond work or anything else. So if you need to handle or do something, that yeah, that comes first. Then may come work and then's going to come golf. Even though we work in golf and you probably hear it from a lot of people that work in golf, they say they don't play enough. You know, golf is not the top priority for the employees of Next Gen Golf. Even though it, we work in it, it's not our, personally, we're not playing as much as you know, we want to. And that's you know, indicative of you know, all the consumers and everybody that we really work with. And on the college side, they're college students first. They're able right. to focus on their studies, on their career, and what they're building first and foremost. And that's the core of the NCCGA. Whereas if you go play varsity golf and you're in a play on a varsity team, you damn well better golf better be the first thing on your mind. That's what the coach will tell you. Yes. The, the good and the bad about playing varsity, a varsity sport in college, I did it. And I didn't agree with my coach. <laughs> he doesn't like me as much because, quite honestly, golf was not my number one priority in college. You know, I needed to keep a 3-4 GPA to keep my scholarship. So I had to study and I said, coach, I'm not missing this test <laughs> to go play in this golf tournament and fail this class. Whereas the NCCGA and what we do, students, they're able to get a great education. They're never going to miss a class. That's one thing we pride ourselves on. Every event is on a weekend. They're going to be able to join a fraternity or a sorority. They're going to be able to have friendships on college, and they're still going to play competitive golf. It's one of the things that firsthand you can see how that hits home, especially with, with NCCGA. I think it's a great policy to embrace there. So with that, so if we have listeners that are in college and their school currently does not have a, we call it a chapter, I guess, or a team, how would they go about forming a team and getting that off the ground? And I guess also the second part of that question, this is not limited to Division One NCAA schools, is it not? Maybe you can expand on that a little bit of how someone can start a team and, and what colleges are eligible. So any college is eligible, any student is eligible as long as you're currently enrolled in college as a full-time student. And to start a club, it's not as hard as people might think. And one thing that we allow is if, you know, say, Colin, you just don't want to actually start a team and be the leader, but you just want to play, you can still play on your own merit individually in the NCCGA, even if you don't get a full club formed. So to do that, you, know, you go in the NCCGA part of our site. You just say, I want to get involved in the NCCGA. That'll send an email to our team. And that's one of the great things. So Connor, Mike, and Matt on our team work really hard. And you know, they're going to help students succeed. They're going to help them write a, a constitution, help them with school funding to get everything going and, and handhold them through that process to help them succeed to be able to play golf on campus. So anyone interested in doing that, they should go to your website with nextgengolf.org and through there, right on the uh, the landing page, you've got both the NCCGA and the City Tour sites that they can click through on. Anything else you'd like to mention as far as how potential players can onboard or is that is what I said there? Is that pretty much cover it? Well, that's great. Yeah, nextgengolf.org. That's the site. And we try to be 
really simple to make it easy. And whether you want to play on the city tour, you find your city, or if you want to play in college, there's a lot of just entry points that'll either send emails to the club president or to the city leader and say, hey, I want to get involved. And then you know, we really try to help you from there. And you know, our goal is to give people a reason to play. We want to increase participation in the game and uh, retain those golfers and help them with opportunities to play throughout the year. One thing also I like with what you're doing here is your social platform also. You allow all your players, everybody involved, to tell their stories and connect. It isn't just you at the top telling everybody of what's going on, that I see that through your Twitter feed and through Instagram and even Facebook, that you've, you've got people posting pictures, posting videos, telling their stories and engaging and having conversations, with, which is great. And that's what you need to create that growth, that organic growth that you're well on your way of building here. Yeah, we're we're really lucky. Um, you know, we're obviously it's only young folks that are are part of our events, and yeah, you know, they're very social people, and you know, we're very thankful for the consumers that play in our events and and the community that we have. They inspire us. They've they're the ones who have uh, have helped us grow and have really built this organization into what it is. It's not me. It's not our team, and you know, just in Boston, play a big part in that. But it's really the you know the consumers and the customers that have built the organization. To say, you know, here's what we want. Here's what we want to do. And can you help us? And it's great that you know so many of them are so thankful for for what we do and the platform that we do provide. Right. And it sounds, you mentioned this earlier, it sounds like without that very positive feedback from your customer base, from your from your tribe there, the city tour wouldn't exist because they're the ones, it sounds like, demanded you to fill that gap in the marketplace. <laughs> You're right. We, we wouldn't have the city tour if you know, we didn't have the NCCGA and people, it was just a recurring theme again and again and again. And we said, geez, well, there is a bigger need out there. And at that point, I'm, I'm in my you know, late 20s as well. And I'm like, you know what, I want to have some things to play in because it's, you know, no offense to the state associations, like those are the only events that were around. You got to miss a day of work and pay $150 for a qualifier. My game's not in that good of shape, so it's hard for me to, right. you know, to do that. I and mean, if you're not a member of a club, you don't have other events to play in. So, you know, we needed to give it, give reasons for people to be able to get out there and play and meet people and, and have a, a great experience. Well, I've been involved in the uh, the startup and innovation space for some time, not just in golf. And one thing that I I always hate is someone coming up with a product or experience that, as they say, it's a solution looking for a problem. It could be something that's really cool, but it doesn't actually solve anything. Where you've had the exact <laughs> opposite, where you've had people come with you with this problem, and then you realize, hold on a second, we better come up with a solution, and we already have part of the solution already built. So in fact, you've uh, you've had your customer insights already come before you had to go looking for them. Which which I find really, uh, really great. <laughs> We've been really lucky for that. And I, yeah, you, you hit it right on the head. Like there, there's a true market and a true problem out there. You know, I think there's other problems that can be solved, but we really try to stay focused on different issues within this landscape. And we focus on a subsegment of a subsegment at the current moment. And like you said, it was about 220,000 uh, uh, high school students that go on and only 5% of them play varsity golf. That is a huge opportunity there and a huge, uh, huge market that you're poised to unleash there. So, hey, let's look at the future a bit here. So what are the next steps and goals and future vision for Next Gen Golf in 2018 and, and beyond? 
Yeah, I think you know the future is bright. I, I like seeing what's happening in golf. I think a lot of the leaders within the golf industry are, are doing a, a great job to grow the game. And you know, I think the future actually looks bright, even though there's you, you read the media, there's some doom and gloom about uh, the future of the game sometimes. But I think you know, for us in Next Gen Golf, I, you know, I see I think there's a lot of opportunity just within our, our core organization. There's a lot, a lot more people that we can help. And we stay really, really focused and we stay in our lane and, and focus on helping more and more of these 18 to 39 year olds and what they're seeking, whether it's competition or, you know, more importantly, you know, resources and information that's going to help guide them and lead them in the right direction. So for us, we'll be you know, doing more and more from a, you know, a content standpoint. And you know, one thing that we do just for the golf industry, we have a job board on our website. So we post jobs for any golf company. We'd love to see more and more young adults work in golf. And you know, a lot of people say the golf industry skews very old. So if we can have more younger people working in the game, I think that'll be uh, helpful to, to grow the game as well with some fresh and new ideas. So we're going to continue to, to really grow our organization and core business. As I said, I, I think we've just still just scratched the surface and there's a lot, lot more people that we can help. Agreed. Well, it sounds like you're an overnight success that's six years in the making here and you're just you're just getting started here. And I do believe that doom and gloom that you spoke of, I think you're one of the uh, handful of innovators that are making that doom and gloom evaporate and making it disappear. Because even four or five years ago, absolutely, the golf industry was scratching its head and starting to panic as how they're going to backfill all of these older people that are leaving the game. And there weren't any solutions. And between yourself and some others that I've had on the show and some that I'm going to be having in the next few weeks you guys are the future of golf and we all thank you for having the courage yeah i think the future the future looks good i'm 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 pretty confident (laughs) yeah it's uh it's it's good to see i think golf needs it and golf needs some fresh and innovative minds and um there's some some great people out there doing a lot of great things and i'm lucky to call a a few of them my friends as well and and colleagues and uh happy to happy to see where the where the industry is in, in general So, Chris, one of the things I I really like is I see you're taking a leadership role in growing the game of golf to ensure that the future of the game is healthy and vibrant. And I've seen you doing some things outside of uh, Next Gen Golf or an extension of Next Gen Golf. Uh, At the PGA Merchandise Show, for example, I saw that you were... uh, part of the presentation and lecture series there. So part of the thought leadership there. And on the Next Gen Golf website, you have a blog there that you post some uh, very interesting uh, things there about growing the game of golf and reaching out. So I was hoping you can expand on that as far as your connectivity and taking on that role outside of just your day-to-day roles with Next Gen Golf. Sure. Well, I think it's it's something that's really important for the industry and every organization that their stakeholders, I mean, we'll run 185 events this year and they're going to be hosted at pretty much 185 different golf facilities. So I think it's really important that golf professionals and the industry at large you know, know about this generation and how can us as an organization help the industry understand some of the implications of what is going on with this, this next generation of golfers. So I do take a leadership role. I co-chair the Millennial Task Force for the golf industry. And this coming January would be my fifth year presenting at the PGA show to PGA professionals. And it's, it's fun for me. I, I enjoy you know, working with PGA professionals, golf course owners in the industry at large to help educate them on, on what's happening, not just in our business, but more our consumers. And we actually did a great research study with Global Golf Advisors this past December, surveying thousands of millennials of our consumers to help understand 
understand how they think about the game and, and really what's important to them. So I just feel that it's my duty being in the industry to do good by all stakeholders. And Peter Kratzios mentioned a similar thing that he feels he has this responsibility as a custodian of the game for loving it so much and having a passion for the game that he takes on what he's doing. I can see what you're doing is a platform for growing the game. It's next gen golf is about much more than just getting people out playing golf. And I can see that and I see that's continuing to expand as, as you move forward. So all the best of luck with that. And we're looking forward to the exciting things that uh, next gen golf is going to be doing in the future. Perfect. Thank you. So one more question here for you before I let you go here, Chris. I need you to pull out your crystal ball now, and I want you to look into the future, whether it's 5, 10, or 20 years from now, and maybe you can mention one or two things of where you think golf will be. It could be kind of crazy out there ideas or something pragmatic. I'll leave that to you. Do you have any thoughts on that of where you see or would like to see golf go in the next couple decades? Well, I think where I'd like it to go, <laughs> where I think it's going, I, as I mentioned earlier in the, the podcast, I think golf has some great leaders. So the game will remain healthy. And I think that, you know, one thing that people share the doom and gloom that, you know, golf courses are going out of business and so forth. But, yeah, that's just a you know, supply and demand issue that there's you know, an oversupply of courses and not enough demand. So I think in the future, the golf courses are going to continue to get better and better and better. They're going to be you know, better businesses and better run organizations. And I think the quality of courses will continue to go up. You see what the USGA is doing with sustainability. It's pretty amazing to see how Brown is the new green and the industry will look like. I think the one thing that'll be really, really crucial and important is just what's the golf experience going to be like? I feel like there's always going to be those amazing traditional golf clubs and those will remain the same and, and those shouldn't change. I mean, I, I love going to a golf course. Like I was lucky enough to play the country club here in Brookline last year and their lockers are still the same from the early 1900s. I think that's pretty cool. And I think that's one of the things about golf that you don't need to change things. And there's an old course out this way, Worcester Country Club, that is actually trying to take down trees to make it look like it did back in like the 1900s. So it's amazing that those historical things are improvements, and I think that's pretty cool and look forward to seeing more and more of that in the future. And I think the quality of golf facilities will continue to rise. I think you hit the nail on the head there that it's a balance of respecting and maintaining the traditions and rituals of the game, but still moving it forward so it fits with a contemporary lifestyle. And what you guys are doing with Next Gen Golf is moving that forward quite nicely. So continue on as I know you will. Before I let you go here, Chris, can you tell our listeners again where they can learn more about Next Gen Golf and where they can sign up to play either starting in the fall uh, if they're a college student with NCCGA or even this summer now if they're in their 20s or 30s with a city tour event? Sure. Uh, our website is nextgengolf.org, N-E-X-T-G-E-N-G-O-L-F.org. And you go right down there, you can see both the city tour and NCCGA. And the next events that we have going are the weekend of July 15th and 16th. So there'll be 20 tournaments in 20 different cities across the country. And hope many of the listeners can, can come out and join us. Good stuff. Well, I will be posting in the show notes all the links to, uh, to what you just described there to try to help that out, make it easier for our listeners. I won't be clicking on any of those because I'm too old playing your events. <laughs> Sorry. So thanks for that. Anyway, I guess I'll have to find someone else that's going to create something for me. But uh, uh, joking aside, uh, you are certainly filling the gap and the need there with the younger audience, younger than myself, that certainly uh, needs to make the golf experience more frictionless. 
less friction. I guess that's the way I said that backwards, <laughs> but you know what I mean. And yep. you're doing a great job. So Chris, thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. And I have a feeling we're going to be talking again in the future to get an update on all the great things that you're doing. So once again, thanks so much. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Awesome. Well, thank uh, thank you. I appreciate you reaching out to me, and I think it's awesome what you're doing. I know it's tough starting a brand new podcast you're, yourself, so I'm always happy to help in any ways that we can certainly support you. Please let us know. I really appreciate that. All right, Chris. Take care. Okay. Bye for now. Thanks, Kyle. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with NextGen Golf CEO Chris Hart. To learn more about NextGen Golf, the NCCGA, and City Tour, go to our website, modgolf.fireside.fm, where I've posted links and additional content in the show notes. Please join me next week when I speak with musician, singer, songwriter, and golf ambassador, Kelly James. I had just played a couple shows for Honda and Red Bull, and it was this tailpipe company called FMF, and I think he had FMF on his hat, flat-brimmed hat, and he's in the corner, look kind of my age, so I go over and I'm like, hey man, what's up? He's like, hey, how's it going? I was like, oh, FMF, do you ride? And we had this whole motocross conversation, and it ended up being Ricky Fowler and another lifelong friend that is a great example of, of a dude who's just genuine, big-hearted, and a great human. I'm your host, Colin Weston. You can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Podcast subscribe to the mod golf podcast on itunes and while you're there please rate and comment on the show thanks for joining us on this episode of the mod golf podcast i'll see you next week